we're doing a summer series on the Ten Commandments, and uh, today uh, we are to the Fifth Commandment, right? I'm looking at Aaron to make sure that's right, uh, which is in Exodus uh, 20, 12, uh, and printed on the inside of your bulletin if you care to follow along. There we read God's word, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. Um, with that in mind, I'm going to pray uh, today for uh, the Dyers. Allie's having her PET scan on Friday for uh, the Dickinsons. They're about 10 days into the intensive uh, with Ruthie, uh, this kind of uh, big phase here at, uh, in her treatment. Um, and also for the Ingalls, uh, Sophia, their third child, is having surgery tomorrow uh, morning. So let's go, Lord, in prayer. Lord Jesus, uh, we pray for moms and dads uh, with struggling kids, um, specifically, uh, Lord, for the Dickinsons and the Dyers and the Ingalls. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would comfort uh, their anxious and weary hearts. Lord, it's hard to be patient and to wait when your children are suffering. And so we ask, Lord, that you would strengthen them uh, to endure. Uh, Lord, uh, pray for us as a body that we would continue uh, to draw near to them and to not grow weary of doing good. And we pray specifically for Ruthie and Sophia and for Allie, uh, Lord, that you would supernaturally heal them, that you would give their doctors wisdom uh, to properly diagnose and uh, treat what's taking place in their body, and that you would intervene. Um, Lord, we thank you that you promise us um, that your mercies are new for us every morning and that you're faithful to walk with us uh, through these times of trial, and we pray that you would do that now. Uh, Lord, we pray specifically for Aaron as he comes to preach, that you would strengthen him, help him to uh, really believe uh, the good news of the gospel, that you are his dad, and uh, that you delight in him as he proclaims your word today. We pray you'd give us uh, ears to hear it and hearts to believe it in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, Mark. As Mark said, if I haven't met you, my name's Aaron, and I'm the lead site pastor here at South End, and um, always a privilege to uh, be with you to study God's word together. Excited to look at uh, this fifth commandment. So there was a, a study that came out 10 years ago that uh, a British cleaning company did called, the company's called Dr. Beckman. And in the study, what they did is they asked 1,500 British grandparents about their experience being grandparents. And they asked them questions about things like, how often have you been approached for advice on domestic tasks, so things like either sewing or laundry or maybe family recipes, by your grandkids. Uh, questions like, have your grandkids ever asked you how to boil an egg? Uh, even more broadly, have your grandkids ever asked you, asked you just what was life like for you when you were young? And of the 1,500 grandparents who participated in this survey, 96% of them said that compared to their own experience as a kid, they remember asking their grandparents more questions than their grandkids asked them. One of the big conclusions of the study was that these grandparents believed that the presence and availability of the internet, in particular, uh, Google, YouTube, 
and Wikipedia are making their role as grandparents less essential than it was in previous generations because instead of going to someone wise who's been there before, who's experienced a lot, who's done a lot of things, who has so much more life experience than they do, uh, their grandkids are going online to try to find the answers for themselves. And now whether or not the, the findings from this study are universally true or not, I think what it points us to is the movement in our culture toward autonomy and self-sufficiency, certainly driven by a lot of the technology we have and our movement away from those who have gone before us. It points us to our, our general growing lack of respect and felt need for people in our life who are further along than us on the journey, whether that is our grandparents or our parents or anybody else for that matter who's, who's simply ahead of us. But that idea is not at all an idea that you find in the Bible, not at all. In Job chapter 12, verse 12, Job says, wisdom is with the aged and understanding in length of days. In the song he writes in Deuteronomy 32, Moses tells us in verse seven to remember the days of old Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you. There's stories all throughout scripture that warn us of the danger of living this way. One of my favorites, probably the best example is um, of Solomon's son Rehoboam, who in 1 Kings 12 um, is trying to figure out what to do as the new king. And uh, he speaks to the older men, the elders who have a lot of wisdom. They tell him to do one thing. He doesn't like what they say. And so he goes to his friends who are his age and listens to their advice. And he makes all these foolish decisions that ultimately end up dividing the kingdom. You see this all throughout the Bible. And of course, most of all, you see it right here in the fifth commandment that Mark just read for us to honor your father and mother. And this is a command about actual parents and children. That's the most narrow focus of it. But if you take it as a whole, it's really about honor. It's about the importance and necessity of you and me honoring those who are further along than us. Those, are, those who are in positions of authority over us. And so for those of you who are here today and you are parents and you've been tracking with the series, thought it, sorry if you thought today you were gonna come in and just get to chill and this just was gonna be completely focused on your kids. We are gonna apply it there. It does, it does certainly apply to them, but it applies to you too. Uh, it applies to all of us. We need it and our very flourishing is at stake. That's what we've called this series in the Ten Commandments, free to flourish. That's what all of them about are about, including this one. And that's what the promise is about at, actually at the end of this command when it says you're, if you do this, you, you will live long in the land. That doesn't literally mean you'll definitely live a long life. That's a way of saying you'll, the life that you live in it, you'll flourish. You'll have an abundant life. And so today, here's the big idea we're going to unpack together as we look at this. If you and me want to flourish, we have to learn how to honor the fathers and mothers in our life. If you and me want to learn how to flourish, we have to learn how to honor the fathers and mothers in our life. And so we're going to look at three things to help us get at this. First, who are our fathers and mothers? Second, what, what does it look like for us to honor them? And then third, how do we actually do it? So who are they? What does it look like? How do we actually do it? So first, who are our fathers and mothers? Who exactly 
are we talking about here? And, and I just said it, and maybe it goes without saying, but just to be clear, it does mean our actual fathers and mothers, biological or adopted, our parents in our family of origin in the house we grew up in. That's, that's the center of the target. But it expands well beyond that. And in this series, as we're going through the Ten Commandments during our services We've been using some of the catechisms the church has put together over the years to summarize the faith, just like we did today when Holly led us in reading the Heidelberg Catechism. And we're, in particular, we've been using the Westminster and the Heidelberg. And uh, they do a great job helping us understand and apply more deeply each of this, these commands and, and what they're uh, calling us to. And I like the way each of them explain this in terms of who is this who is this focused on? So going back to the Heidelberg, it says, what does God require of me in the fifth commandment? And it says, answer, that I show all honor, love, and fidelity to my father and mother, so to my actual parents, and all in authority over me. And then the Westminster Larger Catechism, question 124, asks, who are we to honor in the fifth commandment? Answer, by father and mother in the fifth commandment are meant not only natural parents, but all superiors in age and gifts. So it is our fathers and mothers in the normal, natural way we think about it, our parents, but it's much more that God's after. And telling you and me to honor our father and mother, he's, God's telling us to give honor to all the authority figures he's put in our life, to all those who are superior to us in terms of age and gifts. So this applies to the governing authorities. It applies to bosses and superiors that we have at work. And it applies in the church to the, the new family of Jesus we're a part of here, to our spiritual fathers and mothers here. I wonder if you ever noticed how much parent language there actually is in the New Testament. There's a lot of family language in general, brother and sister language, and that's really important. But there's a lot of parent language Two, for example, Paul calls Timothy his son in the faith when he's opening his letter, first letter to him, 1 Timothy 1-2, Paul says, this is to Timothy, my true, true child in the faith. And then later in the letter, he goes on to tell Timothy to treat older men and women honorably as spiritual mothers and fathers. 1 Timothy 5-1, he says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, Older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. He calls himself a father to the Corinthian church through the gospel. And at the, then at the end of the book of Romans, he, as he's going through a list and thanking people and greeting people, he honors the mom of Rufus and he says, she's been like a mother to me as well. And so it, it applies here too in the church in a big way. As Bible teacher Jen Wilkins says in her chapter on this commandment in her book, 10 Words for Life, this command is calling us to respect our elders in the broadest sense. So elders in terms of age, gifts, wisdom, and places of authority over us inside and outside the church. So that, that's who all this is talking about that we're to honor here in the fifth commandment. But before we move to the next point, I just want to say as a fairly young person leading a very young church, this is super important for us, specifically here at South End. So a lot of us have been successful so far. We've gone to good schools. We've done well. 
we've graduated, we're getting into our careers, maybe we're starting to move up, make some money, gain some influence, uh, maybe we're serving and beginning to lead in ministry in some ways and are starting to see some fruit, we're, we're, maybe we're learning some things about God and what it, what it means to walk and be in relationship with him. And those are all great things, but we don't need to forget how much we just don't know just because of our age and our lack of life experience. We need to remember how much we need those who are ahead of us on the journey. I mean, I need that. I need to remember as I get so excited about ideas of like things we could do as a church and what we could become. Like I need to remember, I, I don't know that much, right? I, I, I need help. I mean, I'm, I'm further along than many of you, but I'm not that old, right? So I need this. I need people to pour into me, to show me the way. And, and part of what this commandment does is it, it tells us how much we need people in our life who are further down the road than us. We need mothers and fathers in different area, areas of our life to lead us, to show us the way, to tell us what we don't know. And here in our church at the moment, we probably don't have as many true spiritual fathers and mothers, probably more like older brothers and sisters. But just to apply this to you, if you're in that category, really either one of those categories, I just want you to hear me say, you are so important for us. Like we need you I need you. I know at times it can feel lonely. And like, as you look around, feel like everybody's so young and, and many people are, but I just want to say you're so important here. And so we, we need you. We're really thankful you're here. And so, so that's, that's who they are, our fathers and mothers. And they're, they're absolutely crucial in our lives. And so then second, let, let's talk about what it looks like for us to honor them. What, is it, what does it look like for us to honor our fathers and mothers. Well, first we need to talk about just what it means to honor someone in general. We need to define it. And the Hebrew word for honor is the word that's also used in the Old Testament for glory. And you may have heard us talk about this before, or maybe someone else when talking about what glory really means in the Bible. But the, the word for both of these things, honor and glory, is a word that has the idea of something being heavy or something being weighty. And so to honor someone, we could say, is to recognize and to give them the due weight their position deserves. Okay, well, that's great, but what does that look like? The short answer is it's complicated. The longer answer is it depends on who you are, where you are in life, and the nature of your relationship um, that you have with these people. And so let's talk about actual parents here for a few minutes. What does it look like for you and me to honor them? Well, if you're a child, if you're a kid who's still in school, who lives at home, one of the obvious applications of this is you obey your parents. Paul says in Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And I'm sure that's available somewhere on Amazon if you want to get like a print of that to put in your living room, you know, and your kids are like, why is that there? Well, we just love God's word. <laughs> but that's one of the main ways it shows up for kids at home. You listen to your parents, you do what they say, and, and Paul says in the Lord, so this is assuming they're not telling you to do something that actively uh, is going to go uh, against God, but you obey them. And, and I, I know that's not always easy. I know, I was thinking about some of my childhood this week, and I know that wasn't something I always did super well. It, it wasn't often something I wanted to do, but that is a big part of what this looks like if you're in this stage. 
And there's more to nuance here, but it's fairly straightforward and clean in this situation. But what about for the rest of us? And and this is where it gets a lot harder, but what what does it look like for us as adult children to honor our parents? Well, it, it doesn't look like necessarily obeying them all the time like you did when you were a kid living at home. Again, honoring someone, we said, is giving someone the respect and weight their position deserves. So it's, it's not to always and, and fully obey them. And so it's definitely not always having to take your parents' advice about work or parenting or the way you do life. It's not having to ask for their permission or to get their approval to do something. It's not having to agree with them on everything all the time. So what is it then? Well, listen, I know the parent-child relationship can be a loaded relationship. It's the most formative relationship we all have for good or bad. And as I've gotten to hear so many of your stories over the years, I know there is a lot of real pain and hurt some of your parents have caused and still do cause in your life. And even those of us who had the gift of having great parents, the reality is we still had sinful, imperfect parents who, though they did bless us, also hurt us just like those of us who are parents uh, are going to do, no matter how hard we try not to do. And so what, is it, what does it look like for us to honor our parents where we are today with both of these things in mind? Well, I want to use two categories that Mark actually used uh, when he preached on the Ten Commandments in one sermon a few months ago in our series when we looked at the life of Moses. But he gave the two categories of being grateful for what our parents got right and forgiving our parents for what they got wrong. And I think those are really helpful. And so first, being grateful for what they got right, and we could say, and what they continue to get right. And so this is us looking for the good, looking for the the dignity in our parents, what they did for us, how they sacrificed for us, what they taught us, what they gave us that was a blessing, that helped us, that set set us up well to go on in life, it could be a work ethic they passed down to you, sacrifices they made to send you to the college you wanted to go to. It could be a lot of time they spent with you, maybe time they still do spend with you. Maybe, maybe the way they taught you about Jesus and taught you the Christian faith. And even if you have a hard time thinking of a lot of things, I mean, just the fact that they kept you alive is a big deal. I mean, being a parent myself now of young kids, it's opened my eyes so much to what my parents did for me, like really hard things that I had no idea about. I remember um, a few months into May's life, our first daughter, who's four now, um, I remember just, it hit me one day and I called my mom and I said, hey, mom, thank you for all these things you did for me that I had no idea about that were so hard, like these really sacrificial things that I've just taken for granted. For all my life. So even at a minimum, most all of us at least have some things, and the majority of us probably have a lot to be grateful for. And so we need to think about those things. We need to recognize them. We need to thank God for those things that he's given us through our parents, and we need to thank our actual parents for what they've done for us. And then second, forgiving them for what they got wrong and and still get wrong. Honoring our parents doesn't look like ignoring the ways they've hurt us, or it doesn't look like minimizing them, but it it looks like forgiving them, or at least choosing to begin the process to work towards forgiving them. And in some situations, that may not feel like that big of a deal, because by God's grace, there's no huge hurt or 
uh, abuse. Like you're, you're like, my parents were great. But it's still important to honestly face and forgive your parents for the ways they let you down. Like that's still an important way to love them and to honor them. But then in other situations, it may feel way too big of a deal. It might require a lot of time, a lot of work, a lot of counseling. And in the end, it may not mean, okay, great, everything's all good. We've got a, we've got a really close relationship now. It, it may still mean you need some serious boundaries, but, but you can still forgive them and honor them in that way. So being grateful for what they got right and forgiving them for what they got wrong. You could say having a, a grateful and a gracious heart toward them. And when you do that, it, it really does change everything. I mean, it's going to permeate all of your behavior. It's going to impact uh, your tone when you speak to them. It's going to impact the way you think about them, the way you, uh, your prayer life toward them. And there's more we could say here, but taking that, moving out of our actual parents into the broader categories of fathers and mothers like we've talked about, we honor them by taking the same approach, by trusting that God has put these men and women in our life for a reason, and we know they're not perfect. We know they're going to let us down, but we need them. And yeah, there are some people in positions of authority that we don't need to listen to at all, because to do so would cause us to sin. But aside from those rare cases, it's recognizing we're dealing with beautiful and broken people. We're dealing with saints and sinners, people who are just like us, and they're not in our life by chance. God has them here, and he's got something for us through them. And really, this brings us back to the Heidelberg Catechism that we read at the beginning of our service. This is essentially what it says. It says, here's how you do this, that I show honor, love, faithfulness to my father and mother and all those in authority over me. And here you kind of see these two categories we're talking about. Submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline, and also that I be patient with their failings, for by their hand God wills to rule us. And so finally, how do we actually do that? How do we do that? Because what I just described sounds amazing, but it's so hard. It requires a lot of inner strength. It requires a lot of maturity, especially when you have been burned when you have been seriously hurt by your parents or, or some authority figure in some context. So how can you not actually do this? How, how do you show honor to those people and just going forward? Well, you and I have got to see that all the fathers and mothers God has given us are actually meant to point us to him, our true parent, our true heavenly father, our parent who never lets us down our true father who never gives us a reason to need to forgive him, but the father who loves and forgives us for all the ways we don't honor our earthly fathers and mothers, and ultimately for all the ways we don't honor him like we should. And there's a story from the Sonship Discipleship curriculum that we use a lot here at Hope. It's called My Father's Shirt, and it's at the end of the first session. And it's really a beautiful story about getting a grip on what God's love is actually like as a father. And the woman who tells the story, she tells about one day when she was a little girl and she came outside to see her older sister hanging up her father's white button-down dress shirts on the clothesline. And right away she wanted to help 
Um, she wanted to jump in and, and do this for her dad too, to show him how much she loved him as well. But the problem was the clothesline her sister was using was too high for her, so she couldn't reach it. And so she looked around the yard and she saw a wheelbarrow. And she's like, okay, well, I can reach that. It looks like I could hang it on those, the handles for the wheelbarrow. But she didn't notice, or maybe she did and was just too young to, to be able to recognize that it would be a problem, that they were super rusty, right? And the, and the shirt was wet, but she hung it there. But then when her dad got home later that day, he came outside and, and saw his shirts, some hanging on the clothesline, and he saw his shirt on the rusty wheelbarrow handles with stains all over it. He picked it up. It was completely ruined. And he was really upset. He got so angry with her. He yelled at her. He punished her severely. And then years later, she talks about being a middle-aged woman, being in a conversation with a Christian counselor, telling this story, realizing how much it had shaped her view of uh, what God was like as a father. And then she was telling this counselor, hey, I've, I've had this breakthrough I've recently realized how much this story has affected me. And she told the counselor, hey, I, I think I got it now. I think I've realized what God would have done in this situation. I think what God would have done is he would have come over, he would have seen the shirt and he would have, he would have picked it up and he would have said, hey, that's okay, I forgive you. And he would have given me a hug. She's like, I, I think I got it. But the counselor, a man named Jeff, he responded and uh, lovingly said, hey, you know, that's great, but you actually still don't understand fully because here's what God would do. God, God wouldn't pick up the shirt, say, I forgive you, and then give you a hug. What God would do, what God the Father, what he's really like, what he would do is he would, he would see the shirt, he would pick it up, he would put it on, he would wear it to work the next day. And when his coworker says, hey, what's the deal with all the rust stains on your shirt? He would say, let me tell you about my little girl and how much she loves me and how proud of her that I am. Do you realize today, that's the kind of heavenly father you have. Do you know today, if you believe in Jesus Christ, God is saying those same kinds of things about you. Do you know he loves you like this? Do you know that as you and me go about our lives, struggling most of the time, even struggling to do this, he takes our little efforts to honor our parents and says, that's my girl, that's my boy, and I'm proud of them, I love them. Jesus says, if your fathers on earth know how to give you good gifts, how much more your father in heaven? He's like, no one compares to him, not even the greatest earthly parent there's ever been. And how do we know this? Most of all, where do we see God the Father's love for us most of all? Well, in the greatest gift he's given us, the gift of his own son, who he gave to come and do everything necessary through his life of always honoring his father and mother, including to the point when he was on the cross. And he said to John, hey, take care of my mom. Through his death in our place on the cross and through his resurrection from the grave to forgive us, to count us as righteous in his sight and to adopt us into his family as beloved children. And when you and me see that, when we, when we see we've got a perfect parent, we've got a perfect father who can give us a perfect love that we can never lose, the approval we've always longed for, when we know we're, we're that secure in him, do you know what happens? 
then you can start to see that every father and mother that comes into your life really is here for a reason. And at the end of the day, what God wants to do through them is to teach you about who he is. Every time one of them does something good and worthy of their position, it's a picture of my father in heaven. A picture of what he's like, a small picture of it. And I can be grateful for that. And at the same time, every time one of them fails, it's a reminder I have a father who never fails me. And so I can forgive them. I can be gracious. And what happens is when you are able to live with this mentality, then the fifth commandment begins to take on a whole new meaning. And what it is, what it becomes is it becomes practice for where we're headed. Jen Wilkins says it this way. She says, this life is the lab in which God's children learn to submit to heavenly authority by submitting to earthly authority. Honoring our fathers and mothers in this life is a way of storing up treasure in heaven. By bowing to their time-tested wisdom, we prepare our hearts to bow to the timeless wisdom of God. By submitting to their visible authority, we are trained to submit our wills to the invisible authority of God. We learn by repetition and our repeated interactions with all superiors in age and gifts train us for the day when we at last enter fully into the land the Lord has given us. See, God doesn't want us to be autonomous, self-sufficient people who don't need authority figures in our life, but he invites us to another way, a way of dependence, a way of humility, a way of honoring those around us who are further down the road than we are. And in our world today, that is a countercultural way, but it's the way to flourishing, and it's the way of heaven, the place where we'll all experience one day a perfect culture of us honoring each other as we deserve, and ultimately together, honoring God. But even until then, as we pursue this together in Christ, God promises us this in this commandment. He says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you, that you may have an abundant life, that you may flourish. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the father that you are, and thank you for the way that we see your heart for us most of all in your son and what you sent him to do for us. I pray that by your spirit, you would help us to believe how much you love us just a little bit more today and that uh, that would compel us and give us the power to um, seek to honor the fathers and mothers you've put in our life um, in whatever that looks like and whatever way that's appropriate for us uh, today. Thank you for this time um, to reflect on uh, your love and what you're calling us to. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.